Hey, we're back once again, folks, live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome back to How You Living. Live at the Chaz Tower, coming at you for free on the interwebs. And coming in effect in stereo. How you doing, Chaz? I'm doing doing all right. It's a, it's a little somber because we're recording this um the day after the 50th anniversary of um the assassination of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, a sad day in history then and uh a sad memorial today, you know, 50 years later impact still being felt. Uh, you know, still not through all of the obstacles that he described. No, not at all. Um I saw a clip of him on uh Facebook when he was definitely talking about, like, back then, uh, the interviewer was, like, uh, paraphrasing, what should white America know? And he was basically saying, like, oh, n- the interviewer was saying the thing, like, why is it that uh, immigrants from other countries don't seem to have it as hard as black people in this country? If they can do it, why can't you? That's basically what he was saying. Right. And then Martin Luther King was like, well, what you have to understand is that nobody but black people in America were slaves for 224 uh, years. And also, after you freed them in, uh, in 1863, you didn't give them any land to till, so you didn't give them any economics... Uh, economic stasis or you know blah, blah, blah. but to paraphrase that but you're saying but when uh folks came over from other countries and the european immigrants came over they were giving able they were given land in like the midwest and such and be able to till and such so there was that disparity that um black people didn't have the economic means in order to lift themselves up by their bootstraps and he was talking about bootstrap theory and he's saying like how can you tell someone to lift them themselves uh by their bootstraps when they don't have boots in the first place right yeah and the, and the poverty of course at the time he tried to even uh use that as an issue to to kind of combine uh the the clash that was occurring and the kind of race culture that was happening at that time because he believed poverty was one of the things that crosses race. Oh, know? no, yeah, for and sure, so, and it does. And so he was like, you know, even now, as we're kind of looking at this era that we're in and, you know, Trump voters who are kind of the trodden down people, you know, or whatever he fucking correlated into his little thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's still to this day, you know, the impoverished people who are, are, are in need of the most help and that somehow they get the attention in mass and we need to you know, start building a world that helps everybody. And at the time when, you know, they were freed, they weren't, you know, they were broke and poor and weren't given opportunities, you know, now today Mm -hmm. it's, it's not afforded to a lot of people, but back then it was a big problem. And that kind of set a standard that years and generations to come had to kind of fight to get out of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they also talked about in, in some respects, if you look into, um, what happened right after slavery, there was a lot of um, plantation, basically, ownership in the form of slavery, essentially. You would gain, like, some little minuscule amount of property in exchange for work mm. on several acres. Essentially, the acreage you might have worked before or the, somebody did uh, sharecropping, you know. Mm-hmm. And that whole process was just kind of basically institutionalized slavery still. Uh, to a lot of degrees, mm-hmm. you know, and and education uh, districts and all that type of things also played an effect 
And, uh, yeah, the Civil War Reconstruction era is, like, if you really go back to it, it's kind of the beginning of a lot of these issues we have. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it was the Dixiecrat Democrats back then that were running the show in the South, and it's odd now to have them be, you know, the the champions of the North now. But that's how mm-hmm. f- how far and we've come and how things have changed. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, a lot of the issues of race, about education, state rights and boundaries, uh, military occupation and the use of military force. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that today in the headlines because of uh, the National Guard uh, being assigned by Trump to go down and guard our border. Mm-hmm. Whether or not we actually think that that's something that the National Guard should do uh you know is in debate and it's even in debate whether or not he has the authority to make that order yeah that's true but it's still the militarization of a border yeah any way you look at it and at that time you know we had a quote unquote military victory that set the um the tone before we even had to start applying the rules in, of uh of the emancipation we had to fucking prove that they were our ally again just as states let alone then try and go into their states and say okay this is how you're going to have to deal with this race issue that we've now kind of given to your region and so because there was kind of an ignorance on the congress and the people at the time to actually look at how big that problem was going to be it kind of got ignored you know almost all the way until king's time one could say i mean yeah and we can't also forget that in the 13th amendment it said you can still be a slave if you break the law so basically, that's why like Jim Crow was created, or they made really pedantic laws. And actually, like when you were talking about uh, the problems that started now, definitely the convict lease system. That this is like we're kind of in callbacks, and we've talked about this before. So yeah, we can call it callback. Callbacks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely having that in there. And if you look at like say Louisiana, and Louisiana has like the most black people locked up. And they also police black people at a very high rate, higher than other states. I won't say it's the most because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but definitely looking at their incarceration rates and also looking at the rates in which they uh, arrest white people versus black people, they're definitely putting them in the system a lot more. And there was one photo I saw on Facebook, which is more of a correlation, and it could mean something, it couldn't mean something. But it was saying that uh, when it comes to incarceration, uh, Louisiana has the highest, um, it's number one. And when it comes to education in the states, it's 50. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, I can I can see what you're doing there. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, societal bu- building blocks are, are all the same, ultimately. There is no race. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go to South Africa or you go to, you know, Ghana or you go to um germany you know all of them are going to have school systems yeah all of them are going to have food systems Mm -hmm. all of them are going to have you know some form of protection and military systems Mm -hmm. you know and so the human need is what we we should focus on i mean if we look at if we look at human need and location I mean, we can keep dividing up this rock as much as we want. We all have to come to some conclusion. This is just one big rock. Yeah, no, globalism, maybe not in the capitalist sense, but definitely in the identity sense, is going to happen eventually, or else all of humanity was going to die off. Yeah. So, and and, you know, I think think a lot of the current kind of debates are going to 
be at play for that. So right now our world seems connected because of technologies, but are we as socially connected as we should be? Are we having the discussions with the people face to face or because we're kind of isolating ourselves, are we allowing these kind of fringe and extremist ideas mm-hmm. to kind of take the forefront because we're not having the debate in the common area. It's happening in the spheres of the internet and the cloud. And so if we had more socializing going on as opposed to isolating, uh, maybe some of these issues would kind of start working themselves out in a more workable way as opposed to this divisive kind of agency we have now. Mm-hmm. Red versus blue, my team versus your team, you're a cuck, you're a <laughs> cuck, everywhere a cuck, cuck. Um, but those people, like, the last one, they can go fuck themselves. Like, that's... Cuck is problematic as fuck. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... But yeah, so I guess so. What I was, I guess you know, yeah, the the humanity of it, and uh, and and somehow we can. Uh, I mean, th- there's too there's too much at play, and it's the one thing I yield to conspiracy theorists is the power dynamic of our world is super corrupt in a way that there are a fair number of power players that have a lot of effect on the world's economy and the world's mm-hmm. kind of dynamics. And um, some of them are authoritarian rulers. Mm -hmm. Some of them are corporate CEOs. Mm -hmm. Some of them are leaders of banks or bank organizations. Mm -hmm. And those type of people do pull strings and have power and make shots and calls that um, affect people's lives in a a lot of different ways. Outside of that, I don't really go into the conspiracy frame of everything. But I do see that as somebody who wants to kind of focus on, on... you know, our local area and fix that. And then our city, it's not like I'm going to ignore the city. I want to focus on the local to begin with and then look at the city and then look at the state and then look at our country and then Mm -hmm. where we sit in the region and then look at our global partners and then look at the world at large and kind of like piece together the identity of the problems as we go along. And, uh, and, and when you're doing that, you know, you just start to see that, Oh, there are these interrupters in the solution process there there are the authoritarian leader a b and c you know there are the the trade laws and Mm -hmm. and 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 different sanctions and things and then there's the uh operative kind of kind of scenario going on in different countries like you'll 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 hear people just kind of drop things like oh well you have to pay these people off it's just the way we do business Mm -hmm. you'll hear that in a lot of countries you know and and those are inhibitors to creating uh, real social change on a global level at any point because uh, they play a game that they can only win if it stays the same. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's the 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 drug cartel manifesto in Mexico right now is you're not going to have any power if you're the government of Mexico against us. We're going to infiltrate your police. We're going to infiltrate your armies. We're going to infiltrate your county sheriffs. Whatever you have that come after people in these cities and regions that we want to be in, we're going to pay them off better than you ever could, and we're going to have you know carte blanche of what we want to do. And there's nothing you can do about it because we'll just have you killed if you don't tell the line. They just should just legalize drugs, but... <laughs> that, well, well, you know that's a con- that's a consideration, I'm sure. But uh, but you know, as as we look to fix the NAFTA problem and compete against the um, veracity of the Trump build a wall movement, you know, as we're kind of looking at that, we have to look at what's on the other side of said proposed wall, you know, and and the one thing that 
prohibits us from really making grand social change between us and Mexico going forward outside of just NAFTA and what trucks get driven through faster than others uh, about real kind of social dynamic change. And I don't think any government, state, local or, uh, or national will support that until we have a real kind of stranglehold on what's going on with these cartels because the violence level is so high and it's so dramatic. It's so newspaper headline pervasive mm-hmm. that it's bad business for anyone to want to work with, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's an effective strategy on their part at this point, you know, and, and they've, they've proven themselves to be able to attack anywhere at any level of government. They attack people in beach towns just to make a point if you're a tourist, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, the, just given that as an example of just a country and a dynamic within it that makes it hard for, you know, agreements to be made between us and that country authoritarian rule in china you know like currently the you know we're in this trade war thing you know if it was a democracy in the states each individual state had say we wouldn't a be in this trade war and b we wouldn't be in it anyway because we'd have individual state-to-state agreements and we'd be like well we're dealing with Sichuan for this thing it doesn't matter to you, Shanghai. Get out of this, you know. But because it's this unified government kind of situation, you know, it's U.S. versus China, and then he can only affect the commodities market, you know, because we have all these old laws from when wooden ships were sailing between us and England, mm-hmm. you know, that still hold to this day, and uh, and because of that, he can control, you know, steel and pork, but he can't, you know, he can't control Amazon. That's why he's pissed at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Well, Amazon owns the Washington Post as well, too. So, yeah. or at least Jeff Bezos does. Yeah, and well, and you know, two thirds of the government cloud. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, AWS, man. Yeah, it's it's real. I mean, they making that cheddar. Yeah, I mean, from the company that proposed drone delivery. I mean, what more do we want? It's going to happen eventually. I mean, like, we all know that menial labor is going to get roboticized soon because companies care about profits. Like, it's inevitable. If you don't think it's inevitable, you're sleeping. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, well, and did you see the headline today? And, of course, who knows that there's this, like, uh, University of Robotics in South Korea that's gone rogue. Wait, what? And they're like, the like scientific community of robotics is like demanding they shut down their like robotic AI program because they're convinced that their students are working on killer robots. Yeah, it's like a leg- it's actually a legit thing. It's wow. like, yeah, it's killer killer robots in Korea, uh, and uh, you know, it's it's quote unquote unfounded by the people who are within the university, but. It's like legitimate scientists that have like either gained access to information or something and said that, yeah, the, uh, the, and they compared it, they go, this is an opportunity for the modern era to make, um, smart choices as far as technology innovation. Like when we decided not to make and develop blinding lasers, that's what the article said. It used as an option. Apparently, at some point in time, nation states were developing lasers that blind people. And we as a world decided that, yeah, rampant like blind blinding of people, probably not a good technology to have. Mm, I don't know why we need that. But don't let the killer robots find out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're AI. They're going to find out eventually. 
I read an article about me. It said I could have blinding lasers. <laughs> and that, folks, brings us to the episode yes. of How You Live It. I don't know. Number 474. Welcome to the future, <laughs> folks. This is brought to you on the Killer Robot Network. Killer Robots, because we're great and we kill. That's right. Yeah. You know, hit us either up at uh, C-Town Mayor um, or C-R-S-I-I and tell us, what do you think is going to take over the world? Is it going to just be artificial intelligence? Will it be actual robots or will it be something like Ready Player One where we'll just be like the outside world is shitty, so we're going into a virtual one? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be one of the three. Press one on your touchstone phone if you believe it's going to be... Uh, <laughs> downpour of acid rain press two (laughs) yeah i mean we're all gonna drown in the plastic ocean i mean that's clearly what's happening Mm -hmm. right like it's gonna be my favorite lego toys from when i was three they're gonna choke me to death in my final breaths i'm gonna be like lego sore you know (laughs) this like tyrannosaurus rex lego leg is gonna be just like lodged in my throat as i die in the plastic ocean Mm -hmm. but that's because we pollute our waters Indeed, sorry, we do. Sorry, folks. That's uh, all good. You know, I guess the harsh reality of our oceans and our, uh, you know, lack of awareness about it is probably worth at least mentioning. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, go to uh, killerrobots.com slash how you living and uh, you'll get 10% off your first killer robot <laughs> uh, on us. And uh, yeah, and so we're here live in effect in Seattle uh, the day after the anniversary of Martin Luther King's uh fateful day last day on this earth when he was in alabama as part of a uh protest i believe it was in uh, unison with the was it the bus was that part of the uh, something to do with alabama buses state buses something to do with the it started there Mm -hmm. there was some type of strike and he was he was showing solidarity and that's why he was there and unfortunately, oh yeah, sanitation workers strike. Sanitation workers strike. Okay, um, and and yeah, and so uh, that's and that that's kind of I guess where I I see a a connection to to the how you live in pledge, which is uh, finding where you can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And he realized early on that him being in a place brought attention to that um, issue. And whether or not the people in that area responded correctly or whether or not the people that saw responded correctly, people's minds somewhere were changed and and gathered information about. Uh, and that's kind of like what you just said. It was sanitation workers. Mm-hmm. He was fighting for the guys that take our trash out. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just the kind of guy he was is it didn't matter what your job was. If there was a problem and people weren't paying attention to you and you needed help, he was going to be there, mm-hmm. you know, and he was going to make an eloquent speech about your cause and how it fulfilled into his mission of, of kind of helping others and, and weaving this, you know, split nation at the time and currently back together. And so, you know, using that in a theme of how you live in, uh, I'd like to say that you f- might find a similar protest in your neighborhood or your area if you look for it. You know, there is probably people who are currently in a wage battle or there's probably people who, you know, are feeling uh, like they're getting 
pushed out of either being able to vote, maybe it's being able to get licensing, maybe it's being able to get their green card. And Mm -hmm. I think if we start kind of recognizing the issues and problems that the people around us are going through, we're going to A, see commonalities of the problems that we need help with. Mm -hmm. And we might create a network of people that will help us with those. But we'll also kind of see the perspective change as different people from different places react to what we all have common, which is neighborhoods and places that we live. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, you know, and it it doesn't matter how often you do, you know, change making things. It just matters that you're actively trying to be participant. And and I'm not saying that from any chair that I've been, you know, 100 percent participant this year. Like I really haven't, you know, so far in 2018. But I would say that once I get motivated to either go to a town hall meeting I'm going to feel the kind of energy of participation of like, oh, this is where the differences are made. And there's going to be an issue I overhear and something like that. That's going to make me want to, okay, well, I'm going to have to follow up on that. Where's that go? It's going to this committee now, or I'll have to read the minutes from that organization's next thing because that's where they're going to actually vote. And like, you'll find yourself kind of trailing the solution to these actual problems. And maybe it doesn't go through, but you'll see where it got hung up. And then the next time your politician comes to your neighborhood and he's like, hi, I'm Johnny this. Or she's like, hey, I'm Jane that. Or they're like, hey, I don't need to identify what I am, but you should talk to me about the issues. (laughs) And uh, and and you go, hey, speaking of that, I went to the sanitation meeting downtown last week and this is what I heard you find yourself being aware, you find yourself actually making a difference. And you're not just complaining, because that's kind of the the internet version of solution making, is this sucks, one star, this place can eat a dick, <laughs> just, just letting you know, never go here ever, because I had one bad experience and I need you to know that. That's not solution making, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 there are solution making processes around us. And I think there is a lack between active participants and where they need to participate and trying to link those people up in the way that's not like pushing them, but allowing them to kind of open those doors on their own is is a difficult kind of education process. You know, I guess it would probably help if it was part of the curriculum yeah there's some schools that have it but you know again louisiana your schools fucking suck yeah (laughs) yeah and i mean yeah in i went to a commuter school in portland and uh and the one thing we had was we had a senior project called the capstone and the capstone had to include a um a volunteer effort in it and it had it would be a specific class you took and then you would volunteer and then you would apply the lessons from that volunteership to write like uh, a report, an essay and kind of do kind of a, a, a micro thesis essentially about the lessons learned from that. What other people in your community or alumni from your school or people that you go to school with could do for that place and how it impacted you mm-hmm. and maybe your kind of goal looking forward now that you're leaving the university with whatever degree um, how that can can parlay into a future of service and the motto of the school was knowledge that serves the city Mm -hmm. and the theory is if people graduate a good percentage of them are going to stay in the area and if you're actually educating them about looking into their area and what they do and what's happening around them where they can solve those problems you're going to create kind of a, a class of good citizens so yeah yeah 
Uh, so there are a bunch of uh, things happening, some big protesty uh, sort of organizations and stuff if you want to look into them. Uh, we talked about teachers. There's definitely bunches of teachers in different states going on strike because they're looking for raises. Um, I believe it was in uh, New Mexico where they went on strike recently. Uh, teachers in West Virginia, they won their strike even though they're technically not allowed to, but they got some raises there too. And there's some weird state laws that inhibit other teachers from going on strike but it's good to see that like people are seeing the bullshit of um education and how they go about there um i think about two and a half weeks ago there was the march for our lives uh talking about you know having better uh safer schools safer environments for people everywhere specifically targeting the idea of schools and students and how we can make their uh lives easier to kind of become the better people we want them to as opposed to worrying every day um if somebody's going to be upset about an interaction they had or a previous you know in the case of parkland some years earlier mm-hmm. when they were attending that school so yeah it's uh it was a good march yeah and the, and and yeah there's definitely things going on you know actively and it it's not just the things that make the news you know there's actually other you know, protests and groups and meetings and organizations and volunteer groups. And there's probably people in your local area that are cleaning up beaches somewhere. There's probably groups that help clean up parks that are large, expansive parks where, you know, the Parks Committee can't really do the entire park. You know, they'll Mm -hmm. probably have volunteer days. There's zoos probably have different type of, uh, you know, situations for volunteer activity. There's community groups, retirement spaces, places where the elderly live, disabled uh, you know, people with learning disabilities, you know, children, you know, your local Boys and Girls Club, the Goodwill, you know, especially if you're a trainer or someone with a skill, the Goodwill needs people that help in the back, behind the scenes of the Goodwill that people don't know about. Other than the store, they often have job training programs and job placement programs. That's and, true. And a lot of those people aren't actually paid employees. Some of them are, are community volunteers. And, you know, your local library has different forms of places, local hospitals, and, and in each place, in each way that you make a difference in your community, it doesn't only pay back dividends because you feel good. Mm-hmm. It actively puts you in a place of putting your own solutions in your own hand and not demanding it of others, similar to the commenter on the Internet. You know, fix this for me. I hate it. Um, you know, actually having a, a participation in the, in the process uh, it, it it helps as far as the, the, the helplessness of it all, the feeling of the helplessness of it all. It doesn't fix it completely. You know, sometimes your vote gets railroaded by an orange guy from the east. But outside of those, you know, obscure reactions and things that occur just to things outside of some of our control, uh, there there are things that you'll see that start to benefit. You will see streets getting cleaned up. You will see parks that open in neighborhoods. You will see schools that are improved and things that happen because of community leadership, you know. And and I guess that's why I've you know call back within a within the episode. I've always said look at your localist area first and see whether you can do something there. Because you're definitely going to reap the rewards of it and enjoy what happens because of that participation a lot quicker, sooner, and probably more impactfully and deep, deeper, you know. Um, yeah. Me and Chaz, we're going to just start walking around Greenwood. <laughs> we're going to w- help people cross the street. We're going to start picking up trash. We're going to have photos of us high-fiving on Instagram, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So, 
Chaz, man, you uh, typically have uh, things on your mind. What do you have for this week that's uh, come across your plate that... Well, I do. So yesterday, and I guess other somber news, uh, if you guys didn't know, there was an individual who shot up. Um, shot up. That's uh, that's bad. That's bad phrasing. But and then there was an active gunman event at uh, YouTube's headquarters. Yesterday. Y- yesterday. And definitely I've had some people on Facebook be like, hey, you know, the media isn't really talking about this because it doesn't fit their narrative. Right. So. I guess we're technically the media, and it can fit our narrative. Yeah. So let's talk about it. <laughs> and well, yeah. I mean, okay. So she ultimately, I didn't, I, I didn't actually read. I read the kind of initial when it was happening yesterday. I didn't read anything today subsequently because it just felt like kind of AP Reuters headline news at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Y- same you know. here. Um. But the gist of it. So so what what policies were in was angering her do you know like specifically what um so from what i've read recently is that she felt like youtube was banning her content and she was upset about it and she went in and then from that there is kind of inconclusive what her motivations were um i do know that there were three victims they're all were only wounded um, but I think one was in serious condition, one was in a uh, fair condition, and another one was in critical condition, but that was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and so then she took her own life or was taken down either way. That, that I am unsure of. I haven't read anything that said definitive, uh, um, one way or another, but we do know that the gunman is deceased. Oh, okay. Or, or gunwoman is deceased. Oh yeah. Whether, well, yeah. Okay. But yeah. And so YouTube, so, so just in general, um, it's starting to kind of make sense now that uh, people are utilizing these platforms. Mm-hmm. And and uh, as we know to psychological studies and s- different different neuro- neurological studies, that, uh, that, that people are creating an association with these platforms way deeper than maybe originally intended. And so the connection to the world atmosphere of a, of a, of a, consistent youtuber for instance Mm -hmm. you know is this direct connection to like other people like like this unrest this idea of unrestricted creativity being you know poured out yes instagram lets you do that picture by picture but this you know in this multi-dynamic way you can show your opinion you can say your opinion Mm -hmm. you know youtube unlike any other platform now copied by every other platform but at the time and it's and it still holds an industry standard uh definitely yields to some of the more eccentric people and so we're gonna see both eccentric people in the sense of talents that we we were unexpected and we're gonna be dramatic or or they're gonna be you know just amazing but then they're also going to be eccentric people that we kind of know that are on the fringe of this kind of mental capacity thing that have a relationship with YouTube. And, you know, we've seen it just based on the viralness of of some of these people, you know, uh, I, I don't need to make it bring the level down. But like I listen to podcasts that, you know, emphasize clip media. And uh, one of them is like a guy who basically farts on command. Okay. And it's like, but like he he clearly has like 
digestive issues and like he kind of kind of lives still lives with his mom and they have like a a a tense relationship she's not usually on camera but like there's there's like uh, there's there's social issues occurring Mm -hmm. you know and so what we're we're seeing to some degree we're seeing you know pieces of of mental health you know parlayed into this viral way and i kind of think she was walking that line just without quite as much viralness she she had some popularity i'm taking it because otherwise you know if it was five people not watching her videos i don't think she'd have this reaction right i mean i don't know if it was an it, it wasn't enough popularity for it to come into my sphere of viewing but again we all kind of live in our own sort of media bubbles right and our media nowadays are built with uh, algorithms that tell us we're only going to see things that we like because it was very funny that I was hanging out with a friend and we were watching Netflix and they were like, uh, your Netflix queue is way different from mine. And <laughs> it totally makes sense because yeah. we watch a totally different bevy of shows. So, Yeah, I like to uh, I like to go to other people's houses and if they have the Netflix queued up on their uh, like flat screen, find the most obscure titles that make no sense that they would like and click at least two or three of them. And <laughs> just so it's like, I'm offering you monkey porn because you liked monkey porn. <laughs> and you're like, well, right, they're yeah. like, I don't fucking look at this shit. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what yeah. you doing? And you think there isn't any monkey porn, but they definitely have animals fucking on Netflix. So that's probably the only type of porn they have is animal porn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there there are some TVMA things on there that yeah. shows a naked person or two. So oh snaps! Well, yeah, you do get full frontal Adam Devine in Game Over Man. So you oh know, hey. no, 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 you know, shout out to the Workaholics Bros. Good for you, Adam. Uh, they made a funny movie. It was actually it is worth watching. Uh, you know, Netflix be hurting these days. They need our clicks. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, go to netflix.com slash how you live in for absolutely nothing. We have no association <laughs> with Netflix whatsoever. We might even get sued for making that joke. Oh my God. Uh, so just so that, so just so you don't sue how you living. That was uh Chaz. No, <laughs> no, it was me. That's the Simmons connection. LLC. <laughs> Simmons connect. Yeah. We untouch, we untouchable. We've got the lawyer from Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah. But also about this event, it also brings up uh, the gun debate up into the forefront. But definitely there are debates going on on the internet from the pro-gun side and the anti-gun side. And folks on the pro-gun side are very upset that this isn't having its much um, prevalence in the media as Parkland did. Um, And definitely they're like, well, it involves a handgun. And when they talk about all the things that happens with guns, they'll definitely bring up that like 80% of... uh, the the criminality that involves firearms are done with handguns so they're definitely see this whole ban the ar-15 ban semi-automatic weapons thing to be a front to their second amendment rights so it's interesting to see uh this assailant who used a handgun and because no one died and only three people got hurt and technically for something to be considered a mass shooting four people have to uh, I believe, get hurt or be deceased. So this technically wasn't a mass shooting by that metric, um, that there isn't a big media presence of that involving because it's, quote-unquote, not about the AR. That That's where lexicon gets harsh. Because you know? <laughs> you're going to have a survivor of this. He's going to be like, yeah, I was in the YouTube mass shooting. And then Colin's going to be like, it wasn't a mass shooting. It's just a shooting. <laughs> right. It just wasn't a mass shooting. You're ruining the legacy of people who are in mass shootings when you declare the YouTube a mass shooting. The only victim was the perpetrator. Remember that. 
<laughs> I don't know who Colin is, but he. Uh, that's, I don't know, but in, he's, a, he's a shooter picker. Guy. In the defense of that, Mother Jones keeps a tally of any time an event like this occurs, and they count instances where three people were victims. So. I don't know if Mother Jones is the uh, the de facto authority on this due to having that data. But, again, uh, there's other for, uh, places that have that data, too. So, you know, take it however you will. It's actually Ralph in St. Paul, Minnesota. And we have him live. Ralph, what is the <laughs> definition of a shooting? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, guns, gun topics are, are I mean, yeah. What are we? What are we gonna do? They've uh, they've been designed to kill, and they're good at it, and uh, and now we're suffering that consequence. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's it. You know. And uh, let me see. Like there, there is a video that I think on next episode I want to kind of take uh, some of the facts that they talk about because I feel like is it Bad Boys Two? No. Oh, <laughs> uh, if only. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's from a YouTube channel called The Gun Collective, and they sit people down, and they sit them in t- uh, front of a teleprompter, and they start reading about uh, real gun facts, and I'll have to say, they are real gun facts, but I feel like you have to be a little critical of the framing of the facts and what it really means and like what the impacts are, because they are, like without a doubt, stating facts. They're, like, they're not falsities, right? But... The kind of like, well, but wait, has to come and being critical of specifically how they're being used and what it means in the grand scheme of things. So kind of want to look at it, see like where some of the holes are and see where some of the things make sense. And definitely like talk about more of the implications and the emotional aspect of those things um, other than just like these are the hard facts and this is what we should do with them. Yeah. Well, for our midway lighter topic, it, and this one's mixed. There's gonna be it's some drama, but it's uh my my lighter topic of the day that I want to discuss on. It's been in the news lately. It's had all kinds of stuff. It's all around us. It's the number one player in the universe. That's right, everybody. The next guest is space. <laughs> I want to talk about space. Uh, yeah, it's like. So, so, so space has always been kind of a connection to me. I grew up in the 80s originally with my, my smallest youth and then in the 90s. And we, yeah, and we had things like uh, the Explorers, which were a ragtag group of guys who put together a spaceship from their garage. There was Space Camp, which ended up accidentally launching themselves into space. But, really? Uh, and it had, <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was, um, Moonraker, you know, the weird episode of, uh, no, I don't know if that one came out. It might've been earlier, but, but, uh, so, so space is, uh, it's pretty cool. And we, we've been in talking about it lately because, okay, first rich guy, Mr. Elon Musk, he sent his car into space and that's pretty cool. And it's playing David Bowie out into the universe and it might come colliding back with us in another 30 years, but that's fine. Um, he, uh, he also relaunched a Dragon space capsule that just re-met up with the space station with a bunch of, uh, different, uh, you know, satellite 
information stuff for them to kind of put out there for their projects and maybe some food for the astronauts, you know, stuff that they put up, send up to them. And it was both a reusable rocket that landed back on uh, on ground and a reusable um, docking thing that came back down as well. And that's kind of, you know, an innovative thing that he does. But then at the same time, it opened up the discussion that is going to be forefront, I think, in, in, in a few years' time, which is space junk. And as we saw earlier this week, uh, the Chinese space station uh, decelerated its orbit and re-entered the Earth's atmosphere, and it fell somewhere over, you know, kind of the waters off the coast of New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen it. You know, there's some porpoise running around with a Chinese astro helmet on his head. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I, oh, yeah, what do they call them? It's like, okay, so they're cosmonauts in um, in uh, in Russia. I forget what a uh, Chinese astronaut is. The, the I, my guess is Taikonaut, but I oh. think that might be Japanese ones. Let's but uh so so the so the uh space station came crashing down and it basically reopened the discussion of space trash and how because of all the you know governmental agency uh satellites the uh the different um communication satellites the different commercial satellites private citizen satellites probably <laughs> you know people who are doing testing uh, we're eventually going to need to come up with kind of ways to bring basically that trash back down to Earth in a way that's kind of safe both for the people on the ground and uh, for the things and people in space. And so, uh, you know, there's going to be all kinds of innovative strategies to do that. And it's kind of weird in the sense that we're already overpopulating this thing. We're already kind of overcreating trash that even the things that we send out of our the the dramatic reach of our Earth's gravity eventually need to wind up in, you know, north of New York in some landfill in, you know, mm -hmm. or Chesapeake Bay or whatever. So, you know, that's it's it's a mixed bag. I told you there was some drama to it. But what I really wanted to do is also mention this because I don't really like flat earthers. <laughs> and, and and I've always been fascinated by space. And so I would love for there to be like s collect the space trash day and we all just kind of go out in the middle of the day and watch a micro meteor shower while like 800,000 satellites are pulled down to their demise but in a planned way because we don't need them they're obsolete or whatever. And we all go, yay, and watch as this meteor shower happens all over the globe, and then we can just call it, like, anti-Flat Earth Day or whatever. No. We, we can make it positive. We just call it Space Day. I mean, so th that might work, but a lot of satellites are in low Earth orbit, so they haven't gotten out of the atmosphere enough for them to burn up on reentry. So well, then they're probably not the ones we're necessarily worrying about at the moment. If they're holding, I mean, most of them, if they're in orbit, they have to be outside of the atmosphere. If they're in, the, not totally, not no. Um, it's like if they're in low Earth orbit, they're in like upper upper atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. So 
It's because there's the different spheres of the atmosphere that it can be in. And it's kind of like because even the International Space Station technically is in space, but it's still in the. Yeah, enough but that's where the Chinese one was, too. It yeah. burned up. Okay. Yeah. I think you'd still burn up. I think Some will, but not all of them. Most of them will. I think most of them will burn up. Either way. My point is, it would be great to have a day. Why are you poking holes in my space day? Listen, because man. Because I like space. <clears throat> and uh, I, uh, I listen to a lot of space podcasts. So how are we going to keep... But if we don't <laughs> clean up our space trash, we don't get to play in space. Because <laughs> space is going to be like our own personal asteroid prison that we created on our own, you know? We're going to try to, like, synth... It's going to be like... Deadliest Jobs is now going to be like astronauts just trying to like dodge space trash while they man space stations. It would take quite a lot to do that. And it's getting pretty bad. Have you seen the photos? Because in 1954, there was zero. Mm-hmm. And now it's something in the order of like 100,000 orbiting uh, uh, materials. And, you know, of those, it's like 61,000 or something is decommissioned. Oh, okay. You know, it's just they're just there. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know, space, but I also don't like flat earthers, so I like anything that brings up the topic of space, because they have real difficulty kind of explaining their flat earth theory when we talk about space, because a lot of the kind of analogies in the, in the physics of space have a lot to do with us being a spherical world, so I also like space because it kind of flips them off a lot, and I'm from the 80s, and we mm-hmm. enjoy space, we had the space shuttle, you know, we had we had the the first space station for America, Skylab. Uh, yeah, and so we should all start. Also, while we're thinking about our local area, the government, and all the other stuff, let's keep a little bit of time in our brain for space. Yeah, no, we should always be talking about space. This is brought to you from space.com/slash How You Living. I mean, y'all wouldn't be able to hear this without space. Whoa. Or I should say, technically, satellites in space. But anyway. Shout out to Sally Ride. That's right. First lady astronaut. <laughs> Shout out to... Uh, uh, who? Who's the guy? Oh, Alan Shepard. First American in space. Oh. Hey. Shout out to Yuri. First man in space from uh, from Russia. It was, it's Tycho Knot. It, it is Tycho Knot for Chinese. It is. Yeah. And uh, May Carol Jameson, uh, she was the first black lady to be in space. Heck yeah. So get it up. I think there was a there was a moment in time in my youth where I wanted to go to space camp and I kind of I had dreams of working for NASA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, space is cool. Uh, I, I really like space too. There we go. Right. For- and I, well, like talking about the, uh, what is it called? The satellites. Definitely, it'd be cool if we could bring them down in a way that would allow us to recycle the material and reuse it. Because there's a lot of like strong material up there that we had to use in order uh, to put satellites up there. But also, a funny thing is, is like satellites are getting smaller uh, because uh, the FCC just gave a permit to Elon Musk, I guess, bringing it full circle, um, for him to start putting up uh, small satellites to give people broadband internet across the world. So yeah. And they're, those are even lower orbit, and they'd have, like, life cycles. So there's, like, thousands of them around the world, but they're only, like, you know, 180 miles up in space. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, you know, whatever range that is, and then they, you know, oh, six months. Like, I'm not out of batteries yet, but I will be soon. I'm going to go land and charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a good video on YouTube uh, from Wendover Productions. 
that talks about basically the economy in space. And it goes over a company that uh, basically has five satellites and all they basically do is take pictures of the Earth um, from at the same time of day. So that's pretty cool. And they have some other stuff that they go into on there as well. So Did you know they want to send robot bees to, uh, to Mars? So they want to create drone bees, and they think that'll be one of the better ways to like explore the surface of Mars. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, drone bees. Yeah. I mean, we're going to need drone bees because we're killing our bees anyway, but yeah. I digress. I digress. <laughs> what if we actually made flower-fertilizing drone bees? Whoa. I, think, I actually think that's inevitable. Yeah. I think that's because bees are a really big part of our ecosystem and they're a really big part of like how we're able to like grow things and in how like the pollination is a big part of our agriculture. So if we lose that, we either have to find a way to replace it or be fucked. Or yeah, we're gonna have to start fucking plants. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh uh, any final thoughts for our listeners to help them uh, in their places of living and life? How they be living? How can they help themselves, Chaz? Um, you know what? I guess I'm I'm gonna save some of like my bigger topics for next week. I need a little bit more time to do some research to give you like a really good explanation of what I want to talk about and like what I'm feeling about things. But for the most part, uh, let's see. Like make sure that the next uh not prime yeah, the next primaries are coming up in May, uh so we'll, next week we'll tell you in which specific states. But if you haven't registered to vote already, please do and make sure you're there for your primaries and your generals, of course. In November, exactly tw- in 2018, several representatives and there's a a blue wave that we're gonna be a part of and we want to be a part of. But it's also a female blue wave. Yeah. There are women registering as candidates in droves around the country. That is the headline. But it's real comparatively to years past. It's probably just, you know, tens per state, unfortunately. But it is a dramatic increase. And if we can get some of them elected, we can kind of change the structure that we see in the power dynamic, uh, a.k.a. tear down the patriarchy. But also uh, get candidates that are going to be, you know, well-versed in the world that we want and that we're trying to go to, you know. Indeed. Vote your conscience. If you want to hear a really good talk, there's a podcast called Pantsuit Politics. And they talk to a local candidate um, who's running in, I believe it's Idaho. And how she started out as someone who didn't think she'd run, but then she saw the problems that she wanted to fix in her community, and she thought that running would be the best way to do it. And plus, their legislature um, statewide is part-time, so she would still, you know, do regular jobs and stuff and lose that. So, yeah, that's a really good listen. I believe it's an episode from about two weeks back. And Pantsuit Politics is a pretty good uh, show that has a a liberal lady on one side and a conservative lady on the other side. And, you know, they hash it out and all that jazz. So, yeah. That sounds good. That's a good uh, for your brain. Uh, And as always, you can, as we said at the top, get a hold of us on the Twitter sphere. I'm at Seatown Mayor. I'm helping your municipality by the coast. And my man Chaz at C-R-S-I-I. 
That's right. Hit me up with always hashtag Bill Watch. If, you, if there's any bills out there that you want me to check out to give to the people so they can be aware of it. Um, and actually, you know what? Give me any bill that you think of federally. I'm usually covering federal bills because those are the most, like, you know, alarming out a lot of times. But, you know, tell us about your state bills as well, too, because people be forgetting the state legislature. Yeah. And especially if you just even find, like, certain language in a bill that either confuses you or it kind of enacts you to be like, hey, this is a, a very important bill. Look at how they're writing it. Because I do think that's going to be kind of one of the arguments going forward as far as participation. Let's learn the language mm-hmm. that they're using and where the power structure is taking its leads and and how we can kind of alter that language in the future. So even if you just take a paragraph and tweet it at us out of a bill, uh, we'll go look at the bill as a whole, but give us the kind of language that you see as either problematic or supportive if it's actually doing something in your area that you think's really good. Uh, and as always, hit us up at hylbox at gmail.com. That's hylbox at gmail.com, the How You Live in Mailbox, open 24 hours a day. Uh, Chaz, this has been fun. Yes, right. It's good to be back, y'all. We'll see you next time. Uh, good seeing you, Mikkel. Yeah, on the How You Live In uh, sphere, free as usual. Also, uh, rate and review us on iTunes. That's a thing. And uh, one day when we do get sponsors, uh, go check them out. Uh, as always, I am a fan also of the All Fantasy Everything podcast. Those guys are my friends, and they're crushing it, so I suggest you... Go give them a listen. Let me channel my inner animal. I'm a cannibal like Hannibal. When I spit it, baby, it's flammable. Look, I'm going for your clavicle. About my capital was murder tactical. The actual, the factual. And Gab better pass it left. Call that a ladder.